So we're gonna close out a theme that we have been unpacking for the entire month of December. It's been a, a topic that we have called an out of this world Christmas. And, and, and what we've been unpacking is, is this thought. And you know, we've been so blessed by having a number of families, right, right from real life, that come from another part of the world to help us give a perspective of what it's like at Christmas time around the world. But here's what the Bible helps us to understand, that God came to us, that Jesus left his world, and he came into our world. That's what we've been unpacking over this month of December, to realize this out-of-the-world Christmas. I think sometimes we get caught up in the story that we already know or all of the things that happen to go around us to really center in on that point that God came to us from another world. And when you think about it, and when we really unpack the story, it's truly unbelievable how he came. We talked about that Jesus left the splendor of heaven. Now, it's true, we don't have a lot of firsthand pictures of what heaven is all about. In fact, Jesus talked to us a little bit when he walked the earth about what his father's house was all about. And then right at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, John had this opportunity to be, the Bible says, caught up into the heaven and got a glimpse of what heaven was all about, what the splendor of heaven was all about. And he reports to us that there are myriads and myriads of angels that stand around the throne of God, just continually giving honor and praise and crying, holy and worthy is the Lamb. And then he talked about, as he looked at the foundation of heaven, that the foundation walls, what are very common things to you and I today, are filled with precious stones and gems that, that we would honor beyond belief, and yet the very foundations of heaven, of that in which they are built. And then he describes that the streets of heaven, they are made of what looked as if it was pure gold, as transparent as glass. It was that picture that Jesus left his world and came into our world. He showed up in our world to be, look at the contrast, to be born in a barn, to be wrapped in strips of cloth. I said a couple of weeks ago, I, I think we have so modernized that part of the story that baby Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And just, I think, even saying it, that it, it just has this wonderful persona to it. But nothing could have been further from the truth. In the barn, that there were just these worn, dirty, filthy strips of cloth that, that the shepherd or those in the barn would take to bind up some of the wounds or help to rub ointment on, on the animals that were in the barnyard. In fact, Mary and Joseph were just seemingly looking around to say, what could we use to wrap our brand new baby in? And all that they could find were these strips of nasty cloth that cluttered up the barnyard and then they laid him in a feeding trough. How many kind of get in the picture already? There was no baby gap in Bethlehem that day, right? It wasn't like, like you and I when there is a, a baby in our family or to a friend and all the wonderful, beautiful clothes that we can provide and we want that baby to be wrapped and snuggled and yet here God himself leaving the splendor of heaven and everything that I could describe for you today to come into our world and to be wrapped in cloth and to be laid in a feeding trough. It was in that one divine moment there was a divine exhale immediately followed by a tiny breath. God, the king of the universe, and then his very next breath, 
was a little breath of a tiny baby there in a stable in Bethlehem. The king of the universe stepped away from the glory of heaven and he entered into the gutter of earth. And maybe we could begin to question why. Why, why would he come and, and why would he come that way? Can I, can I maybe offer a couple of things to you today? I think why is to show us as we unpack the big story is that God wanted to show that he was approachable, that he was accessible, and that he is available. You see, what great news for all of us today. There are no palace gates to separate us from him, no bars on the window, no posse of bodyguards preventing our approach. He endured our worst to give you and I an opportunity to have his very best. Can I talk to you about the announcement I mean, how unbelievable is that part of the story as well? As strange as it may sound, this great God of the universe showed up almost totally unannounced. I mean, who would ever think of a story where a king would show up that way? I had a friend when we lived in the Harrisburg area who was former Secret Service, and he would tell me about to go to another country. Most of you are probably somewhat familiar, but... That story didn't start the week of the event, but it actually started months in advance. There were all kinds of logistics that were taking place, advanced teams that were sent months in advance to prepare for just that one short, brief visit of one of our presidents to a foreign country. Everybody know, knew all of the, the, the limousines and all of the, the parade routes that everything was mapped out because they wanted to know that the president of the United States was showing up. But here we find in the Christmas story that the God of the universe showed up almost totally unannounced. But it was then that the angels of heaven filled the skies. And again, more unbelievably, to give really the big announcement to shepherds of all people. I don't know how that would translate in our world today, but, but certainly in our story, the, the governor would not have been notified. The mayor of the particular town seemingly wouldn't have been notified. The, the politicians or the big businessmen, but it was the lowliest of the low that was able to receive the greatest message of heaven here on earth, when they heard these words from a host of heavenly that said this, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. You see, with that message, along with the angel's other declarations to Zechariah, he was the father of John the Baptist, to let them know that they would also experience a wonderful miracle about a son that would be born to them, who would be the heralder, who would be the messenger to the Messiah. We know him as John the Baptist. And then the angels came to Mary and told her of the great thing that was going to happen to her, and then ultimately to Joseph, that he would not physically be his son, but God was going to take his son and allow a stepfather for some of you that have grown up maybe in a broken home to realize that your story is not unlike the story of heaven, that Joseph became a wonderful stepfather to the king of the universe. And the angels give us this assurance, and there were three declarations that they made to each announcement that they made about this king who seemingly came unnoticed, and yet now, some 2,000 years later, almost the entire world knows his name. 
that there are countless billions that we'll spend today in celebration of this child that came in unknown, but today we sing wonderfully and boldly that his name forever shall be Jesus, that holy is his name. You see, the message that the angels gave to all of these were fear not. You know, I think that in our world today that we are even increasingly more filled with fear. We wonder about our economy. We wonder about our lifestyle. We wonder about hurts and pains and sufferings that people exist, that there is fear everywhere. I know that as a pastor, there are people that maybe sometimes wouldn't come to church or wouldn't show up today because they are afraid of God, that they've, they had the wrong perspective. They have a wrong understanding of, of truly who he is. Some people fear death or fear eternity. They're not sure about where this whole thing is going. And so God helped us to understand in giving to us his son the very first message to those shepherds. And I think a message for you and I today is to know that because there is a Savior who has come to the world, that their message to the shepherds and their message to us today is that we can fear not You see, the currency of heaven is not fear, but peace. I have come that you might have peace, that you might have life and have it to the full. They want and said today, not only in the city of David, that we could fear not, but it's an opportunity to have incredible, great joy that shall be to all people. We talked about the difference that a lot of us live for happiness, but it's just based on our happenstance. And we find some people that are happy sometimes and sad at other times. They can never get just the right barometer on how to live life. And yet, the promise that God made to us is that we could have joy. You see, the difference of joy to happiness is that we can still be joyful even when things aren't going our way. You see, that's the, that's the hope that we have, that somebody is looking out for us, that somebody is guiding us, that we're not just kind of a yo-yo up and down, but we recognize that there is someone who made a promise to us to give us everlasting hope, to be there not only in the good times, but to abide with us even in the difficult times. You see, the reason for joy that we can have in our life is because the angels declared that the Lord has come. Now, that probably means a lot to a lot of us, but you see, what that meant to the shepherds and those of Israel at that time is that they had been promised a Messiah. They had been promised for hundreds of years in the past. There were prophets and there were stories about one day that that a Messiah would come, a king, a great king, and that, that he would deliver them. They were having a hard time wrapping their head around this package that seemed so different that they had in their minds about how the king was going to show up. But what that says to you and I today about why we said in the town of David that the Messiah, the Lord had come, it's not only good news for you and I, but what it meant in Israel that day is that God keeps his promise. You see, how we can have everlasting joy is to have the knowledge to know that God keeps his promise. Now, I know for some of us that may waver, we, we oftentimes want his promise on our time. You don't have to say amen or yes, right? But boy, it, when it doesn't show up, when it's not on our time right away, we are so quick to question, what is God up to? But I want you to know, it might not necessarily be on our time frame, but I want you to know that all the time, God keeps his promise. 
You see, when God gives us the hope that the Messiah was going to come, it was a day of great joy because it affirms to you and I that whatever God speaks over his people is that God keeps his promise. When our kids were traveling home this weekend, we wanted to know the spots of their journey. Jocelyn said, I'll text you. She was going to leave the Boston area at 5 a.m. so that she could get here as, as soon as she said, Dad, I'll text you. And I was so happy. I'm like, yes. Now, I'll be honest. I didn't get up at 5 to check the text, all right? <laughs> when Jimmy was coming, he's got about a six-and-a-half-hour drive. And, and all along the journey, we're texting, where are you now? Did you make Syracuse? Did you make Rochester? What's your ETA? Because we're excited about them coming. You see, in the same way, Christmas helps to remind us of the promise that God is faithful, that God said that he was going to come, that there was going to be a time of arrival. And this helps us again today to remind ourselves that God keeps his promise, that God shows up, that he doesn't just show up in the best of circumstances. Hear me today, friend. But he shows up in the worst of circumstances. He didn't come with great fanfare. They didn't announce his journey, but God came in the worst of circumstances at the worst of times to let us know that God is a faithful God. You see, because God knows ultimately what we need. If our greatest need was information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need was technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need was money, God would have sent us an economist, but our greatest need is salvation. And so God sent us a savior. He came into our worst to offer us his very best. I mean, you would think that if God was willing to go through everything that this story depicts for us and to show up in the way that he did, to be announced as the savior of the world, wouldn't it seem improbable that then we would have any choice in the matter. I mean, I, I can kind of help us to understand, like after going through all of that, I mean, where is it then that, that we get a part to play in the midst of any of that story? I mean, for the king of the universe to show up in a barn. Maybe let me help you with what I'm trying to make a point out of. How many of you have ever had a mom that spent maybe the whole day cooking while you were out messing around with your friends, right, and, and planning dinner and, and, and at such and such a time, and, and then after all of this excitement and maybe kind of snacking or eating at your friend's house and just messing around all day, you walked into the house and you were like, yeah, sorry, mom, I'm not hungry, thanks, but no thanks, right? After mom was kind of planning and making dinner and now, now, listen, I don't know about you, but my mom would have said, after everything that I went through to make this meal, you are going to sit at that table, young man, and you are going to eat everything that I have made. Now, are there any Italians in the house today? Come on, tell me that that's not your life story, right? Like, it didn't matter. I mean, if mama was in the kitchen making food, it didn't matter where you were, what you had did. If you had just been to Chipotle, how many know you're going to sit down and have pasta and meatballs, right? Like, there's no getting out of it. But God, he loves us enough to make us an offer with the right of refusal. It sounds crazy, but... 
But that's the crux of a relationship. I mean, I could see God, could you not? After everything I have done for you, tell me showed up, what I endured, what I was put through, and you're going to tell me? But you see, that's not a relationship. You see, a relationship is simply an invitation. We're not forced, we're invited. And I think that's the unbelievable part of Christmas. Let me finish with this today, friends. Christmas is an invitation. It's an offer. You see, usually when we get a formal invitation, man, it is something to behold. Am I right? Maybe it's a wedding, a 50th anniversary, or maybe to some big gala. I mean, when that document shows up at our house, I mean, it is truly undeniable that there is a special message that's inside. I mean, you've gotten maybe some of those, and how many know that there is an envelope inside of an envelope inside of an envelope? How many are here with me today, right? And you're like, man, this has got to be to something big, because I mean, they are making a lot of effort to do that. There is gold foil paper, right, that's on the inside as you begin to open up these envelopes. There is fancy script. In fact, sometimes it comes so fancily addressed that Debbie and I don't even know, like, it's our name. Mr. Like, is that us? Like, I mean, this is, this is font that, that I'm unfamiliar with. You, you begin to pull it out, and confetti and glitter falls out all over your kitchen table. But the point of the invitation, hear me today, friends, it's not the wrapping. It's the response. Right? You see, people are wanting to reveal a, a really big thing to you, but it's not in the envelopes that there is the point. It's not of all the glitter and all the foil and all the special wrapping in which it comes in. That invitation is not about the wrapping. It's all about the response. What they want to know is the RSVP play. The respondes, s'il vous plaît. The R-S-V-P. You see, basically they want to know, will you please respond to the invitation? You see, they go through a lot of expense to get our response. And I want to remind you that that's really what Christmas is all about. God went through a lot of expense to give you and I an invitation asking for your response. Christmas isn't a special service. It's not a religion. It's not a pressure to believe something or to be something. It's a personal introduction to an invitation that should move us, hopefully, to a personal response. The offer isn't to force you into anything. It is the opportunity for you to receive everything. The gift of heaven. I mean, there are invitations that are being sent every day around the world. Throughout the course of history by kings and princes and presidents, CEOs, billionaires. Now, I've never received any of those. And chances are, neither have you. 
But Christmas makes me realize that we did get an invitation. And not just from any king, but from the king. A wonderfully packaged invitation to respond. Today, I bring you good news that will cause great joy and that will be for all people. See, we all have received that wonderful invitation. We are a somebody. We're not left out. A God did not show up to pick and to choose who should accept or whose name is on the list, but an opportunity for all of us to respond to this wonderful gift of heaven. Some of you have probably already been to a few Christmas parties, and it seems that within some of those Christmas parties, the age-old kind of gift-giving right story of, of whether we draw numbers or there are various names, right, where we get to steal different gifts, right, and, and we get to take, and somebody goes home the winner, and a lot of us kind of go home the loser, right, right? We know that somebody really didn't get into it. They went down to the dollar store and found the cheapest thing they could literally find, right, and wrap it up, and sometimes it's for a gag, and quite honestly, sometimes it's just on purpose, right? And there's always this kind of angst a little bit about, am I going to get the best gift of Christmas. But can I tell you that heaven has offered a wonderful exchange program to every one of us, that God is willing to take our very worst, no matter who you are, and to offer to you heaven's very best. Here's what the Bible says, that God made him, Jesus, God made him who had no sin, was perfect, was flawless, had had nothing wrong, was only holy like we sang about. And he made him who had no sin to become sin for us. I've said over the years, Jesus did not become sinful. He bore your sin and my sin. He simply carried everything that was wrong about you and I. He was willing to take all of the ugly, all of the bad, all the terrible decisions, all of the pain, all of the hurt, all of the suffering, all of the question, all of the fear, all of the stuff that just seems to load us down, to give us no joy in life. And the Christmas story is God loved you and I so much that he who had none of that would carry all of that for you and I, so that in him, in the work of our Savior showing up, that we then, in accepting him, by accepting the invitation, responding to the invitation, that we get to understand what real joy is all about. The Bible says that we get to call ourselves now the children of God, sons and daughters, that we become princes and princesses of the king. Some of you could look at your journey, and for some of you, that would simply seem like a fairy tale. Pastor Jim, if you knew my story, if you knew where I came from, if you knew some of the mistakes, some of the stupid things that I've done in my life. But you see, it's not about you trying to, to make yourself into anything better. Christmas helps us to understand you just have to respond to the invitation. You see, God has already done for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. 
It's through the babe in the manger. See, the good news to all of us today is that he didn't come above us, right? With no way to relate, not as some pampered, privileged ruler, because we know we live in a world of double standards, right? We're already skittish about something like that. How many know that, like, when you were growing up, like, if if some rich kid in your town, like, did something wrong, there's probably a pretty good chance he'd get off somehow, right? Because his dad had money. He was connected. And you would know in your heart, man, if I did that same thing, I'd be going to jail, right? Because we know in this world, we live a life, everybody. And here's one of We're kind of wondering, well, it works for some people, but doesn't work for everybody. And here's what I want to tell you. In this area of our life and for all of eternity, this is where we're wrong. You see, Jesus didn't come above us. There is no double standard. There isn't, well, this one gets it, this one doesn't. No, the Bible says that we have the opportunity to have great joy that will come. I don't know if you were really listening with me today, but this joy comes to who? To all people. Can you just say all with me? You know who that means? Yeah, all of us. You see, God didn't come to be above us to think, yeah, it might work for Pastor Jim or so-and-so or whatever, but I know that, that my life is just too messed up for any good ultimately to happen to me. But instead of coming to earth as a pampered, privileged ruler, Jesus showed up below us. In the lowliest and most humble of ways, to be born in a barn. I have some of families here that Debbie have nine I have known over the years. In fact, I think maybe Luke and Liv are with us today. There are families that have their babies at home. They have this idea that, hey, this is this is the comfort. This is and they do it right, right? There are people to help them and it's different than most of us, but in some sense, it's, it's kind of cool that, that, that we want our little ones to come into this world knowing this is, this is your home. This is what we have created for you. But, you know, in talking to Luke just this past week, I mean, even though we're going to have our baby at home, how many know they're not going to have them out in the shed out back, right? I mean, they're not going to have them in the basement or in the garage. I mean, the hope is that even though we're going to have this baby at home, we're going to provide the best setting that we can for our child, right? I mean, it's gonna be a place where it's gonna be supreme and wonderful love of where this baby is going to come. But the God of the universe was birthed into one of the more vile places, a place where we keep animals. You see, he wasn't born above us. It was almost that, I mean, most of us got the hospital experience Or if we were born at home, it was in the most wonderful occasion that we could ever put together to recognize the birth of our child. But in doing this, God is showing us that everyone gets the same invitation. He's willing to elevate you to realize you matter. And it's just an invitation to come. You say, Pastor Jim, what's what's in the invitation It's just an invitation to come, an opportunity to be changed, an opportunity to have peace, an opportunity to know joy, and what we believe to have everlasting joy. When Jesus met the disciples, 
They didn't flock to Jesus. Jesus found them. And when he saw Peter and John, and then later on John and James, what did he say? Come and follow me. It was simply an invitation. They were working. They were working with their dad. They were mending their nets. They were fishermen. And Jesus said, listen, I want to teach you to stop fishing for fish and show you how you can fish for men. That we can help spread really what heaven is all about. For some of you that are going through difficult moments at Christmas, you know, I think we can pause for just a brief second to think that as much as we realize that Christmas is about joy and lights and good times, there are people, there are people here today that are hurting. They've gone through a, a moment, a season of difficulty in their home, in their family right now. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, if you're broken, if you're hurting, if you're me, those of you who are weary, who are broken, take my yoke upon you for it is easy and light. Let me exchange your burden, your hurt, your pain. Let me carry that. Just come, come and be with me. See, Christmas is just about an invitation. Our secular holiday surrounds itself with Santa Claus bringing gifts. In fact, we tell our children, if you're not good, if you don't go to bed on time, what? Santa's not gonna come. Listen, you don't have to raise your hands, but moms, how many have said that multiple times? Don't raise your hands, right? We've said that multiple times already. But in the biblical story, just the opposite is true. Jesus is the gift that is offered to each and every one of us. And guess what? You don't have to be good. You don't have to be from the right side of the tracks or the right side of the barn, for that matter. You don't have to come all with all of your act and all of your life together. You simply just have to respond to the invitation and accept the gift wherever, whoever you are. The gift came simply wrapped, an understatement, wrapped in swaddling clothes, but he brings the power of the king of the universe with him that helps us to know that whatever we need, whatever we're going through, that Jesus, he is more than enough. He is the greatest gift. So in your struggles, maybe at this Christmas, or in your challenge to believe, in your hurt, in your pain, maybe in your brokenness, and you're thinking that there has to be more there has to be more in this life. It's just the daily grind. I don't have joy. I don't have peace. It's just this, I'm just caught in a loop, and I wonder, there must be more. Can I tell you today that Christmas invites you to simply come? Come and learn to adore him. There is a Messiah who keeps his promise. There is a Messiah who promises joy, joy unspeakable, full of glory. Can I close with this? The band's going to come and help me. I want to close in prayer, and this is what I want to pray over all of us here today. I want to pray with you today that God did the unbelievable to give you and I 
an opportunity. God was willing to go through all of that so that none of us have this idea that I can't relate to God. I, I, I just don't like connect. Can I tell you? God didn't come above you. God came below you. It's really impossible not to be able to connect with God. He came in a barn. He was wrapped in filthy clothes because he wanted you to know he's available. He's approachable. He's here for you no matter what you experience in life. The second thing I want to pray over you today is that God orchestrated the extraordinary and he sent you an invitation. Please be excited today. If you can think about whoever that great person was, you're a nobody, but man, you got this gold invitation. And the invitation is for you to come. The third thing I want to pray over you today is that God didn't just show up a long time ago. He's here today. Bringing the gift of Christmas into your life today. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, as we understand this wonderful story of Christmas today, this unbelievable, out of this world Christmas, a God who came from his world into our world, is the God that did the unbelievable to give each and every one of us an opportunity. For those of you here today, please understand you're in. God wants you to know that there is an invitation with your name on it. He did the extraordinary so that you could know, I can't connect, I can't relate. God said, listen, I'll go and do whatever it takes so that you can know that I'm here for you. Listen, for some of you that are struggling, for some of you that are going through a difficult moment right now, I want you to know that God understands. He knows your hurt. He knows your pain. And he promises you that he's never going to leave you. God makes good on his promise. Can I pray that there are those around this room today that will simply receive this light of heaven, this joy that comes unspeakable that today from whatever darkness that we might find ourselves, where we think that our world is, is on the fast track to a nightmare, that in the midst of the darkness, the Bible says, incredible lights has shined. And so today, I hope that this message of hope, this truth of the gospel will help to spark the light of the world into your hearts and into your life today. God, would you bless this house would you bless these, our friends, that have come to join us to celebrate you in this wonderful way this Christmas season today?